please pray the words, come Holy Spirit, with me three times. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I ask that you pour forth your Holy Spirit upon every single person here. And please give them the gift of understanding and interpretation. And please give me the gift of tongues so that I can speak your word with due reverence. Holy Spirit, don't just change the way we think, but change the way we live. Make all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you on this marriage retreat. It's such a blessing to see you all taking your marriage so seriously because, like, if anything's under attack, it's the family, it's marriage. And we come to retreat because we know that we need these transfiguration moments in our lives from our, aha, yeah, that's why I do what I do. But if we think this is our idea, we got it all wrong. As Peter, James, and John are literally dragged up the mountain, we have to know it's always the Lord's invitations. We give thanks and praise to God for responding to that invitation. But the context for this is really important for us to know like what journey have we been on and what journey have the apostles been on? So we have to kind of backtrack to like looking at Matthew 16 because that's kind of the foundation of this transfiguration uh, moment that happens in our gospel today. And you can even think of your, your moments. It's, it's always keeping things in context. So if we go back to one chapter, Matthew 16. So for those of you who know Matthew 16, it's a very Catholic, Catholic, Catholic scripture because we use it for the foundation of the church, for the foundation of the sacrament of confession. So this is the gospel where Jesus is with the apostles. He has a big mount behind him in Caesarea Philippi, different gods behind him that people would worship, offer sacrifice to. And he says, who do you say the son of man is compared to all of this, right? And some, some of them say, well, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets, some say John the Baptist. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter steps forward as the first pope and he says, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, right? He says, he says, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And he gives him the, he gives him the ability, the authority to bind and loose sin. And now right after this, Jesus predicts his own passion. So important for us to know that he predicts his own passion. And, that, and Peter doesn't like that. He wants the pristine Jesus. He doesn't want to see what his sins are going to do to Jesus. Just as you and I don't like to look at that, it doesn't make us feel very comfortable when we have to look at a crucifix and deal with that reality, right? So what does, what does Jesus do after Peter rebukes him? Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. He's trying to get ahead of Jesus. So anytime that we're trying to get ahead of Jesus, thinking we know better than Jesus, we're actually acting diabolic. We're actually, we're actually acting uh, satanic. And after that, Jesus again says, the son of man will suffer. He will die. He'll be crucified, but on the third day, he'll be raised. So that's like the context heading into this gospel. And one of the lines that's not in this gospel, it says, for, it says after six days, then he led them up a mountain. Ah, Catholic, I, our Catholic imagination should be saying, oh, seven. That's the seventh day. Something holy is going to happen here. We know seven is a day of perfection. So as we're looking at the context of that, this is that Jesus, the Greek says that Jesus dragged Peter, James, and John up the mountain, which means they didn't exactly want to go because they didn't know if he was going to go to Jerusalem. They didn't know what he, what he was going to do. So, and that's the same for us. Sometimes the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, kind of drags us to things, and we think uh, it's always going to be bad or I have something better to do. But he leads them up a high mountain, 
and it says he was transfigured before them. We have to know that Jesus is not a source of light. It says his, his face shone like the sun. He, he is the source of light. He's not a light. He is the light, right? And it's coming from him, and his, his clothes become white as light, and we know that what light does, it disperses all darkness. When we come on these transfiguration moments, on these retreats, we get, we get pulled away, and maybe it was a little bit hard to get here. Maybe he had some spiritual warfare even getting here, but the Lord knows what's best for us. We know in Jeremiah 29, um, 11 through 14, we read those beautiful words, for know well the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare, not for your woe. And if you come to me and you listen to me with all your heart, I will listen to you. So Jesus has a plan for our lives. But so does the evil one. And he often wants us to live with indifference or live in sloth, or as we call it in, this, in the spiritual life, asadia, having the spiritual sloth and just kind of settling for things that are base. And also looking at our first reading from Genesis, Abram says to the Lord, or the Lord says to Abram, says, go forth from your land to your kinsfolk and from your mother's house, the land that I will show you. He doesn't know what the land's going to look like, but he does hear the Lord say, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. So when you and I take the Lord seriously, we actually let go of control. He always wants to show us his original intention. And often what we do is we try to hold on to control and think, I got this. I know what's best, whatever it might be. And that usually comes to just things crashing. I don't know if you're a type A or a type B person. There's no, like, nothing wrong with like, wanting to know what's going to happen, right? What's, what's the schedule? But the Lord often invites us to be less of a type A person and more of a type B person. Being available to the blessing that he wants to bestow upon us to actually say, whatever you want, Lord, I believe is best. So as, as Peter, James, and John are being dragged up the mountain, he's transfigured before them, and he's talking with Elijah and Moses, which is a symbol of the Old Testament prophets and the law, right? But also, that's pretext for us as Catholics. We're thinking, ah, Jesus is talking to people who are dead, right? There's also a pretext for us as Catholics. We're thinking, oh, that he must be talking about the intercession of saints. If Jesus is talking to people who have passed, that means we can too. So Jesus is also inviting us to form devotions to the saints, to intercede for us. But then also, in that, in that aweness of what the Lord's inviting us into, Peter does what we all should do. He says, Lord, it is good that we are here. He actually wants to pause this moment of just seeing the fulfillment happening. Like Jesus fulfills the Old Testament prophets and the law. And he says, and he says if you wish, Lord, I will, I will make three tents, one for you, one for Moses and Elijah. And that's a great desire. He actually wants to stay in the holy. He wants to stay and abide in this presence of God. But while he's speaking, a bright cloud casts a shadow over them. And from the cloud, we hear the Father speak for the last time in the Gospels. He says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And that should make us think, okay, I've kind of heard these words before. That should sound like Mark 1.11 when Jesus was baptized. And the Father spoke over him, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Or this is my beloved daughter for you, if you're a woman and you're baptized or a man. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. So he's reminding us of who we are and whose we are. And that actually 
that moment of just remembering who Jesus is and seeing him as he truly is, the, the light himself, it, it increases a deep sense of reverence, reverential fear in Peter, in James, in John. It says they actually fell prostrate on their faces. And that's what you and I should all do too when we're in the presence of God, especially in the sacraments, especially in, the, in front of the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. And this is what's supposed to happen. We're supposed to be transfigured. We're brought somewhere. Sometimes we don't want to go to Mass, but it's a place where we need to go. We don't know always what's going to happen in particular, but we do know that the light of God is going to come upon us and we get to be in front of him. And who are we to be there? We should have that same sense, like St. Peter, that deep reverence of like, I'm sorry, Lord, for, for complaining about you dragging me here, but I'm, I'm so blessed to be here. And what happens is what Jesus, he doesn't want us to necessarily be afraid of him. He wants to have reverence for him. Jesus comes down and he touches the apostles, probably on the shoulder, maybe on the face. And he says, do not be afraid. Rise, right? So as we're at mass, that should be the symbol of us coming down the aisle to see the Lord. Like he doesn't want us to be afraid of coming to him or him coming to us. And the, 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 the invitation is, they saw, it says when disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus alone. And that's what the Lord's inviting us into. What we need to do is, is grow in gratitude for all the different transfiguration moments we've had in our lives uh, where the Lord brought us somewhere. His invitation brought us somewhere, but we didn't ex exactly know where we were going. I just want to share four transfiguration moments I've had because they come in different ways, right? And you can maybe think of different things that have, have sparked life in you or sparked the life of Christ in you. It's important to reflect on those things because... After this, Jesus says, don't tell anyone because I'm going to be crucified. And when we go through those cross moments, those crucifixion moments in our own lives, we have to remember the transfiguration moments. We have to go back to gratitude. We have to go back to these moments where, aha, yes, that's why I'm Catholic. Aha, yes, that's why I go to Mass. Aha, that's why I go back on retreats, right? There's a few that I've had I want to share with you, too, are uh, kind of different because I think so often we think they have to be always pristine and beautiful, but I had two people who were really good at calling me out on my BS, and they were transfiguration moments for me. The first one um, was from a priest named Father Larry Richards, and he's made a big impact on my life. If you know him, uh, he's, a, he's a friend of mine, and um, he, he, he called me out twice. He called through my BS twice. One was when he befriended me, or I befriended him on Facebook. I don't know what happened when Facebook was more popular, um, but he said, uh, are you a Catholic? And I said, yeah. And he's like, then clean up your damn Facebook page. I was like, okay. Because um, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't emitting the light of Christ. Like, my, my, my images were, were, were very hypocritical. Uh, it wasn't leading anyone to the Lord. And it was, it was that. And then the, another thing he said one time when I was at a conference with him, he said, gentlemen, how many men here believe that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist? And like majority of us raised our hands. And he said, and how many of you go to daily mass? Like eight. Right? And he said, the rest of you are liars. Because if you truly believe that it's Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, you should get your butt to mass every single day. There's nothing better than being at the Mount of Transfiguration at mass. Like what is more important? Are you making that sacrifice? And it was a transfiguration moment because it called me out of my BS. It called me out of that, that sense of, entitlement or slothfulness or laziness, spiritual laziness, 
had to start getting up earlier and going to Mass because what he said was true, and the truth always cuts to the heart. The other, other one who was really good at calling out me on my BS was my grandma. She passed away before I was, um, I was our, even started seminary, uh, but she got onset dementia towards the end of her life. And when I went to go visit her a few times, she lived in Appleton. I'm from Sheboygan originally. Um, she just said, how's the sermon going? And I said, ah, no offense, Deacon Andy. Um, but it, <laughs> I was like, ah, I think I'll just go halvesies with the Lord. I think I'm just going to be a deacon or something. Um, and she just looked at me with dementia and said, you'll make a great priest. Just saw straight through my crap, right? And we need that. We need that. And then as she was, as I was getting ready for seminary, um, I was working up at a retreat house that we used to have for the diocese, and she had a fall. And, and usually when people have dementia and they have that fall, you know it's going to get bad soon. She broke her wrist, and she was in the hospital. I went to go visit her in Appleton at the hospital. Didn't know where the Lord was going to bring me, just like Peter, James, and John. They didn't know where the Lord was going to bring them. But I was so happy I went. And as I was there, I was praying the Psalms with her. I have no formal training of being a chaplain. I'm just not even truly a seminarian. I haven't started seminary formation yet. And I remember just being with her and just like, just really wanting to say what my heart felt. Not from a family that says these words too much, but I said, I love you, Grandma. And she said, I love you more. And just this transfiguration moment happening um, in her pain, in her suffering, but the truth still came through her. The last transfiguration moment I want to share with you is one that was a little bit different. I was at the Focus Seek Conference. You get 15 to 20,000 college students. And I went down there, and a, a mutual friend of mine wanted to meet up. A priest friend introduced me to a mutual friend. And they said, hey, you should come out to Colorado and come see us. It's a really awesome young couple. Now they have four kids, or a fourth on the way, I'm sorry. Um, at the time, they just had their first boy, and they're just talking to me like, hey, you should come visit us. And I'm like, I don't even know who you guys are. This is kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, when I was transferred from Anago to, to Oshkosh, they had a uh, five-day break in my, in my transition. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to go there too soon. I'm going to go take a plane and go out to Colorado. So I did. And when I got there, um, they had two boys. Now at this point, one was named Isaiah, who they call Zay. And one little boy was named Damien. And then I went back the, uh, that following January just to go visit with them. And when I was with the boys downstairs at the house and we're playing, little Damien just looks at me and he says, I love you. <laughs> and it's in those transfiguration moments, I think that we just have a sense of gratitude. And it's a sense of just saying, Lord, it is so good that we are here. It's so good that we are here. And we shouldn't want to, to leave that. We should, be want, we should want to be like Peter and saying, I want to stay here. And the question is, what makes you want to leave what is good? What makes you want to leave from living in the light? I think it's, 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 it's a form of pride, but it comes in, in the form of asadia. It's a form of, of, of spiritual slothfulness, thinking that what is base, what is low is better. I have something better to do. And, and, and the spiritual asadia, it comes at us in many different forms, and it, it manifests in different forms. It, it kills our joy. It makes us indifferent. And it just makes us very difficult to even be around. The invitation, I would say, is to get out of that, is to, is to grow in gratitude. To go in gratitude. And gratitude can come before, when we're coming before the Lord, 
It can come saying, like, praying and being before the Lord in the Eucharist and having the gift of tears for our sins. It can come in the form of going to confession and finally just getting that big one out and just letting the Holy Spirit breathe on it and being set free. Come also in having a good sense of humor, right? Being able to laugh at yourself. I think so often we're just so hard on ourselves, we get too serious. But if you can't laugh at yourself, I'd be like, why are you a Christian? Like the Christian faith says you're going to fail a lot. But the beautiful thing is we have someone we can actually bring our failures to. Other religions don't have that. St. Francis de Sales, he, um, he had a really good friend um, whose husband passed away, and she felt called to start a religious order who actually eventually became a saint, St. Francis de Chantel. And they were good friends, and they were talking one time, and he said, you really like to wear shortcut dresses. Now, I don't know what that looked like at that time period. Maybe her ankles were showing or something. Um, but her, uh, her response was laughter for two straight days. In her humility, in her gratitude, she actually just didn't take it too seriously. And she laughed and they laughed for two days. And the whole she didn't get offended. Another way of combating spiritual asadia uh, or slothfulness um, is having arrow prayers. Like these are like prayers like, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of Living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or, Oh God, come to my assistance. Or, Oh come, Holy Spirit. And what those do is they, they push those temptations aside when we are just tempted to be negative, tempted to, be, um, to live at the base of the mountain and not allow the Lord to bring us up when we're feeling attacked. We need those arrow prayers. And all of this should grow grow in us a sense of gratitude. So what I want to do to close today is to go through a litany of gratitude. I did not write this. I doctored it, but I didn't write it. Um, but the first response is, my father, my father, I thank you. So I'm going to say a, a, a line, and then the response is, my father, I thank you. Because so we need to grow on that, but we also want to pray for an increase in gratitude. And I'll tell you when that comes. So this will be our closing. So please respond, my father, I thank you for the dreams I carry with me. My father, I thank you. For the good desires you place within me. My father, I thank you. From all that you have saved me from. My father, I thank you. For all that is to come. My father, I thank you. That you are a good, good father. My father, I thank you. That you give good gifts to your children. That you do not hand us stones when we ask for bread. My Father, I thank you. That every good and perfect gift comes from you. My Father, I thank you. That you know our needs before we even ask. My Father, I thank you. The second response is, Lord, increase my gratitude. That you will work in all things the good for those who love you. Lord, increase my gratitude. To see your hand working in my life. To recover what has been stolen. Lord, increase my gratitude. For a deeper sense of gratitude and praise in my life for all that you have given me. Lord, increase my gratitude. For the invitation to visit you always in the Eucharist. Lord, increase my gratitude. For the invitation to go to confession to receive your mercy. Lord, increase my gratitude. For the invitation to hear your voice in the sacred scriptures. Lord, increase my gratitude. 
for family life and all the blessings and crosses that come with them. Lord, increase my gratitude. To continually count my blessings. Lord, increase my gratitude. To keep steady faith in your abundance. Lord, increase my gratitude. For better perception of your provision. Lord, increase my gratitude. To always remember past provision in times of difficulty. Lord, increase my gratitude. For a heart that is satisfied in the present moment. Lord, increase my gratitude. For a heart that treasures the giver of good gifts. Lord, increase my gratitude. For a heart mindful of all that you have done for me. Lord, increase my gratitude. For a heart that never ceases to praise for all that is to come. Lord, increase my gratitude. For a heart that always sings your praise. Lord, increase my gratitude. For a heart that seeks to serve and not be served. Lord, increase my gratitude. We just take a moment of silence to rest in the Lord and just to rest in him and to be like Peter, to thank and praise him because it is good that we are here. Amen.